1: is the 30-something movie podcast. This episode is brought to you by the letters A, B, and C. And the number 322, which is probably the number of times the F word was used. In this oh, movie. at least. <laughs> Welcome I to don't... Sesame Street. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that was... <laughs> That was I, impressive. I, uh, like that was impressive. Mm, mm-hmm.
0: I I read somewhere that like because I the actors kind of gave it a a name or something like or not a name they yeah. renamed the movie. It was one of the things that just noting how much how foul the language was. Like all the actors were like realizing it and processing that as well.
1: Bo, I think you tracked down that little tidbit for us. What do you remember? What oh, it was- did you?
2: I did. Yeah, in the trivia. <laughs> well. That's what you get for paying attention to the to the thing you worked on, I ah, guess. Sorry.
1: It was the I think it was one of the second things you put down for the trivia.
2: That sounds right. See now I gotta go look.
1: That's
2: all right. Edit out the blank spot. I'm sorry, oh, I kind of we don't we don't we
1: don't edit here. What are you talking? Ah,
2: about? they referred to the film as "Death of an Effing Salesman." Yeah, yeah. That's, that's okay.
1: Yeah. So yes, just you might so yes, say they had a total death
2: of a salesman vibes.
1: Yeah. So this one, uh, we haven't told you yet what the movie is, but it's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. So we spoil freely here, so just this is your only warning, really. Visit our website, 30podcast.com, where you can leave a rating, leave a voicemail, become a co-executive producer via Patreon, where you get all kinds of great extra bonus content there, and join the rest of our Patreon co-executive producers. Thank you so much, as always, to those who join us there and and, uh, help... The show out financially and keep things running. But uh, yeah, so any anybody wants to head on over there and throw a little bit our way each and every month you get bonus content there for that and you get a, a big old thank you from the bottom of our hearts for helping us out there. And we appreciate each and every one of you and, and have loved getting to know all of you as well. Yes. So as you can hear, I'm joined by a couple of other salesmen this evening. I've got uh, Pat and Bo. Pat, how are you doing? Great, guys. Hey everybody. Pat, hey listeners. Pat, how many deals have you closed tonight? Zero. Pat, I don't know how I you have ex- not I don't know how you expect to get the car. I I'm not gonna be getting the car, man. I'm not car. gonna be getting the car. Okay. Well, I hope you didn't try to go get coffee because it's not for you. It, yeah, coffee. Coffee's for, for clothes. Coffee is for clothes. Yes. Yep. Bodacious, how are you doing?
2: I'm well, John. Good. I'm I'm pondering whether I'm gonna whether I'm gonna go out tonight.
1: Okay. Are you are you pondering what I'm pondering?
2: Well, yes, of
1: course. (laughs) Good. I'm glad somebody is. I don't know what I'm pondering. Well, real quick, before we get started, we have a couple of, I picked out a couple of different social media updates that we get from time to time, and we had one from at docking bay 77 pod. They said, and this was maybe a little bit while back, they said, just finished your Reservoir Dogs episode. So glad you guys liked this movie. I saw it in college on VHS a year after it hit theaters. My best friend made me. I loved it. And then they went on to answer the three questions, and our three questions from that episode because it was more than a couple of days ago so i had to go back and look them up again. Our three questions for that episode were what is your favorite song from the 70s because they kept replaying mm-hmm. the hits of the 70s radio station, what's your philosophy on tipping, and if you were a cop would you be willing to go undercover? And so Docking Bay 77 pod said three questions, Hotel California, is a favorite 70s song, yes i tip and uh, yes i tip i was a waiter in college and last answer is i would be a terrible cop. All right. Fair. Now, at the time this episode, I'm trying to think ahead to when this episode, the Glenn Gary Glad Ross episode, is going to be released. I have a feeling that, let me take a look real fast, I believe this episode should be coming out, are we looking at middle of August? Sure. This one? Yeah, we're probably looking at kind of middle of August for this episode. And at the time this is released, it might still be a week or so away. At the time of recording, later this week, I'm actually joining the Docking Bay 77 pod for a Star Wars trivia contest. Oh, right on. So we'll, we'll see how well I can remember everything from Star Wars Trivial Pursuit all those years ago. I'm sure it's still up there. I think you'll be fine. I probably will be fine. I okay. think it's gonna be an epic battle. I, I think it'll John. be John. Okay. I think I'll be okay. And I think the Shirley podcast guys might be moderating, so Oh okay. <laughs> so that's that should be There a good you one. go. That should be a good one. Looking forward to it. All right. Do you guys have anything else before we jump into Glen Glen Gary Glenn? see, here's part of the problem. With a name like Glenn, Gary Glenn Ross, and the fact that I have had one adult beverage so far before we started recording means that I'm not gonna be able to say Glengarry Glen Ross every single time.
2: I don't know how anyone says Glengarry Glen Ross. I don't
1: know. I'm gonna have to without
2: stop. slowing down, I'm gonna have to slow down and making it a thing.
1: I'm gonna have to slow down. The triple G S or something. Glengarry you know? Glen Ross. There we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to treat it like it's the name of a drink. I'll mm-hmm. have a Glengarry Glen Ross. Glen Livet. I mean uh, Glenn Livet. I'll have a Glen Livet, Glen Ross. <laughs> there you go.
2: That is okay. There you go. Patreon fans, those of you listening, make that drink. There you go. Glenn Livet, Glenn Ross. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is.
1: I'll have a Glenn make Livet. I'll have a Glenn Glen Glenn on the rocks. Mm. There you go. There you go. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds tasty.
2: It sounds fan-effing-tastic.
1: <laughs> that
0: will be, be one of our Patreon episodes. Is, as we record the episode, we exper- we make different versions of what we think that drink is and then experiment Mm -hmm.
1: with them. Mm -hmm. What's the the 30-something podcast equivalent to a Quark's bar episode? Right, right.
2: Friday. I I don't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I don't know. I don't know. On the 30 podcast, I don't know what we do for a Coco No-No.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mm, we got to get together and and make margaritas.
1: I I feel like a Cocoon No-No, maybe.
2: Oh, all, all look at the,
1: you! All the way back to the '80s. We can have a cocoon, don't know. No. Look <sighs> at the big brain on you. Yeah, I, see, <laughs> I, I have ideas sometimes. Quick, funny story about trying to order an adult beverage is when my son and I were. Don't in, order a
2: Prairie Fire in Champagne.
1: I, don't I, order a Prairie Fire outside of Champagne. Is the story. well? That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't do it in. All right. So I love Highwood, but don't do it in Highwood because well, no. <laughs> They don't know what they're doing. No. Other things, it's fine, but they didn't quite know what they were doing with that one. No, we so we stopped at this place because I, I was like, all right, well, so the, like the state sandwich is the pork tenderloin for Indiana. So we got to stop somewhere and, and have a pork, pork, ugh, a that's pork, pork a tenderloin. a pork tenderloin.
2: <laughs> I like me some pork yeah,
1: too. I'm not going to be able to say anything tonight. Apparently. And, and and I promise, I didn't <laughs> even have I, – I had one, like, half glass of a margarita, and that's it. So Combined with me and Neil from Pair Pair. Combined, with, uh, yeah, maybe you know. com, combined Glenn with a Glenn long Glenn. weekend, and, and if I was still on Munir Paneer, yeah, yeah. Glenn, Glenn, right. Glenn, Ross. Yeah, the Glenn, mm-hmm. Glenn, glivet, Glenn, Glenn, yeah. So, I don't even know. So, I always try to order what I apparently have come to find out are the old man drinks nobody knows about. Oh, yeah, sure. And so I tried to order a rusty nail.
2: Mm. Oh.
1: So I was like, do you guys know how to make? And so I just started to order it by saying, do you know how to make a rusty nail? Because if I just try to order it, people look at me funny because all of the bartenders and all of the waiters are like 14 years old. So It's true. uh, And so I asked, I said, do do they know how to make it? He's like, well, I can go back and ask. And I said, okay, I'll give you a, a quick little heads up here. It is a scotch with trambouille. He's like, okay, I've never heard of that before. So let me go ask if we have it. Fair enough. So he goes back and he asks, and he comes back and he's like, yeah, no, we don't have the the stuff to make that. I said, all right, fine. Then I'll just do I'll do the one on the rocks, and I, I picked one of the scotches that was on the menu. And he comes back and he's like, yeah, we don't have that one. Okay, so let me do this <laughs> one. And he pulls it up on his little iPad and he goes, yeah, we don't have that one either. <laughs> no Coke Pepsi. Oh. <laughs> Why don't you just tell me what you got? <laughs> Why don't you just tell me what's available?
0: Yeah, that's uh, right. That's
1: right. That's yeah. And so then after the third one, he's like, "Yeah, we don't have that one either." I'm like, "You know what? I'm going to stick with a diet Coke. Let's just let's just <laughs> go that route, and and we'll be okay." And to his credit, about five to ten minutes later, he comes back and he goes, "We checked up in the attic and we found some Drambuie. Would you still like the rusty nail?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Mm -hmm. So, so I, yes, I would. So I had my drink, I drank my drink and it was, it was excellent. It was very nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's a story unrelated to Glenn Livet, Glenn Ross. I'm just going to call it that for the, it's easier to say (laughs) that than the Glenn Gary. It's Mm -hmm. it's, it's too many, too many G forces there. So that's what I'm going to call it from now on. So, All right. Our movie this time around is Glenlivet, Glen Ross. Came out on the 2nd of October, 1992. Rated R <laughs> for obvious, very obvious reasons. Runtime was one hour and 40 minutes, directed by James Foley, who did At Close Range and After Dark. Writers were Dave, David Mamet, was the only writer. He did the play and the screenplay.
2: This you know, little Mamet guy.
1: Yeah, you know he's done a couple things here or there. He did The Untouchables and Hoffa both movies we have talked about so far. Producers for this one were Jerry Tukovsky and Stanley R. Zupnik, and they both did Dreamscape and Fear City. Music was done by James Newton Howard, who did Major League and Pretty Woman. Cinematography was done by Juan Ruiz and Chia, who did Spartan and Blackthorn. Editor was Howard E. Smith, who did The Abyss and Point Break. Budget was $12.5 million. The box office was $10.7 in North America. Flick Metrics gives it an 81%, and CinemaScore gives it a B-. Starring Al Pacino as Richard Roma. He was in Serpico and The Godfather. Jack Lemmon, who died in 2001, played Shelley Levine. He was in The Apartment and Grumpy Old Men. Alec Baldwin was Blake. He was in Beetlejuice and Working Girl. Alan Arkin was George Arenau. He was in The Rocketeer and Edward Scissorhands. Ed Harris played Dave Moss. He was in Apollo 13 and The Truman Show. Kevin Spacey played John Williamson. He was in The Usual Suspects and L.A. Confidential. Jonathan Price was James Link. He was in Tomorrow Never Dies and Game of Thrones. And Bruce Altman played Mr. Spannell. He was in Regarding Henry and the Paper. So some quick trivia here. And uh, thank you again to Bo for tracking down the trivia for us for this episode. Yeah, Um, man. We had, he said... Well, a couple different things. We already mentioned the one uh, that they named this The Death of an Effing Salesman. Uh, mm-hmm. one of the actors referred to this story as one of the other ones. Jack Lemon said this cast was the greatest acting ensemble he had ever been a part of. And, I and think,
2: that's kind of saying something yeah. from Jack Lemon. I mean, he's been he's around. Had
1: a storied career. I mean, he's been around a while. So to say this was the best acting ensemble he'd been a part of. But this is also director James Foley's and Alec Baldwin's favorite films of their own.
2: And that's interesting coming from Alec Baldwin, too.
1: Because he's in it for, like, a hot
2: second. I know. Like.
0: What a great monologue. What
1: a
2: great hot second, you know. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're going to be there for a minute, let's make it that minute.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess it's fine because, I mean, you could be like Ray Charles and say, like, Blues Brothers was your favorite movie. Mm True. So, yeah. It was was an impactful part. I mean, think think of the lines he delivers in the, like, eight seconds he's in the movie. And and he's got the, the the two lines that even if you haven't seen this movie, you probably know those lines. The coffee yeah. coffee is for closers, and the uh, ABC always be closing. True. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Everybody knows that.
1: Any, yeah. any, kid, who, any kid who we saw say the Lego it at work Batman, all the time. Any kid who has seen the Lego Batman movie knows the always be closing one. Right? right. Right.
2: They don't get it, but that's no. not the point. No.
0: <laughs> Alec Baldwin's just pretty amazing, and there's going to be a movie that we're going to review in the next year or two Mm -hmm. I think where he he's got a role in it and he 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 gives a a monologue that's like equally like impactful it's I always get it confused with the one that we did what it's misery or it's malice which one was the one where misery was funny coral That, that's the one where Sonny, a Sonny Corleone ends up in a bed yeah. and then the crazy lady's beating on his ankles. And not in a good mm-hmm. bed, yeah. And that's, and okay, sorry, spoilers. Can we put a spoiler warning? Uh, what was sorry. that one again? Misery? That was that was Misery. Yeah. Malice. Alec Baldwin, yeah, he delivers the goods in Malice as yeah. well. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, when is, uh, I was trying to think, Malice is 93. Yeah, that is next year. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. All to say Alec Baldwin.
1: Pretty awesome. Yeah. Let's see what else we got here. So David Mamet based his original play on his own experience working in a real estate office in the 70s during the time that he was a struggling playwright. He apparently was the, was Kevin Spacey's name, John Williamson. He was that character. He was the office manager who was giving out the sales leads and handling the paperwork and all that stuff, so kind of Mm -hmm. based on on some stuff he dealt with in real life. Bo, I appreciated that you threw this one in here because I was curious about it. I I kind of thought about it after watching the movie, how this movie does not really, would no way shape or form pass the Bechdel test. No. 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 Uh, For those not aware, the Bechdel test is the test of whether or not there are female characters in the movie and whether they have speaking parts that do not involve talking about a male character, whether they kind of stand alone as their own female characters, and this movie, not so much, because, Bo, you included included in here that it was the coat check girl is the only female (laughs) character to appear.
2: No secretary at the office, even though they reference a fake one all the time. Yeah. Just the coat check girl.
1: Yeah. So, and then, uh, Patrick, I I figured you would appreciate this one as well. So the soundtrack's incorporation of Al Jarreau's rendition of Irving Berlin's Blue Skies. Yes, is, is an allusion to blue sky laws, which are state oh. regulations intended to prevent fraud in the sales of securities. Oh, interesting. So supposedly the term was popularized by a Kansas Supreme Court justice who said he hoped to protect investors from speculative ventures, quote, no more basis than so many feet of blue sky. Huh. Interesting. So Interesting. And that is a, that's, knowing knowing how much of a jazz man you are, that's just a fun rendition of the song anyway. Yeah, it, it really yeah, is. Yeah, that was cool. Me, it was, uh, it was. Let me open, I'll open this up and play a little bit for us here.
0: Yeah, man, play a little bit. As I recall, the soundtrack was pretty, yeah. Blue sky is smiling at me,
1: nothing but blue sky. I
2: see, in the morning there's bluebirds singing a song, nothing but blue
0: birds from now on. I never saw the sun shining so bright, never saw things going so right,
2: noticing the days hurrying by when you're in love, my, how they fly.
1: And that kind of like the the jazzy version of that, kind of picking up the pace a little bit and, and mm-hmm. mirrors that frantic pace of this whole movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. I really, that was, yeah. that was some pretty awesome stuff, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. And another interesting thing a, for the kind of the production side of things, when one of the main characters is in a position of power, they are chewing gum. Hmm. So I did not notice this. So I was kind of interested when you put this in here, Bo, that Al Pacino, when he's kind of mocking Ed Harris's attitude, Levine, when he's insulting Williamson, and then Williamson, when he's revealing to Levine that one of the deals is no good, that they're not going to buy anything from anybody. In all of those situations, the person in power is chewing gum.
2: Yeah, that was one of those as I'm reading it. I'm like, huh.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Just a little treatment to help set the scene. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. So real quick, here is the kind of the overall synopsis of the movie. When an office full of New York City real estate salesmen is given the news that all but the top two will be fired at the end of the week, the atmosphere begins to heat up. Shelley Levine, who has a sick daughter, does everything in his power to get better leads from his boss, John Williamson, but to no avail. When his coworker Dave Moss uh, comes up with a plan to steal the leads, things get complicated for the tough-talking salesman. Here is the trailer, and we're going to be back in just a second.
0: Let me have your attention for a moment. Put that coffee down. Let's talk about something important. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest,
2: as you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. But you want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you fired.
0: Stand up and strike back. Somebody. Yeah? Should do something to them. Hell exists on earth? Yes. What can you do? I gotta tell you, I'm ready to do the Dutch. I know what I'll do. I'll go out and rob everybody blind and go to Argentina. You think you're a thief? We're just talking. We are? Yeah, we're just speaking about it.
2: Speaking about is an idea. We're not actually talking about it. No. It's a robbery. It's a robbery? No. And what is it we're so afraid of? All you need, a little boost. Tonight is the thing. So be it. What
0: happened? What happened? We had a slight burglary. Criminals common they, they take, they steal the phones. They stole the phones, they stole the... Oh. You robbed the office. Oh, sure, I robbed the office. Oh, sure. You did that? you get out of here? How
2: can you talk to me that way?
0: Are you talking to me? When I talk to the police, I get nervous. You know who doesn't? Uh, oh Thieves. What's your name? Al Pacino, Jack Lemmon, Alec Baldwin, Ed Harris, Alan Arkin. From the Pulitzer Prize winner. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross.
2: This is how we keep score, the beat.
1: All right. So our major moments in this one, I've got about five major moments we're going to touch on. And our first one is... Alec Baldwin coming in as the motivational speaker. I will refer to him as here at the beginning here. And he's <laughs> got his acronyms to help him out with his motivational speaking. As I joked earlier, we we have a little bit of a vocabulary lesson a la Sesame Street with the ABC. This is where we get probably, like I said earlier, even if you've never seen this movie before, you've probably heard these couple of lines from the movie. When he starts in on the whole ABC thing and the coffee is for closers. A. B. C. A. Always. B. B. C. Closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. A. I. D. A. Attention. Interest. Decision. Action. Attention. Do I
2: have your attention? Interest. Are you interested? I know you are, because it's f- or
1: walk. You close or you hit the bricks. Decision. Have you made your decision for Christ? Action.
2: AIDA, get out there! You got the prospects coming in. You think they came in to get out of the rain? A guy don't walk on the lot lest he wants to buy. They're sitting out there waiting to give you their money. Are you going to take it?
1: So this, in particular, like one of the, it, it, it makes me think of as he's going through and doing his whole acronym thing. Of course, I'm going to jump straight to Good Morning Vietnam, and it's making me think of the, excuse me, sir, seeing as how the VP is such a VIP, shouldn't we keep the PC on the QT? Because if it leaks to the VC, he could end up MIA, and then we'd all put on But put on KP. Indeed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I love how that, like, I get to always be closing the ABC, ABC, always be closing, and then all of a sudden we move into, like, letters that don't a- go together.
2: ID. yeah,
1: the whole thing is, yeah.
2: it's almost, yeah, there's a term for that, and I'm, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Is that a non sequitur?
1: It might be. I'm bl- my, English teacher, man. My English teacher brain is, I had half I, a margarita. I don't remember what things are anymore.
2: I need my English teacher here. But yeah, it's totally not anything to do with what he's saying. And now he's at Ida. And you're like, what, right. what just happened here? Right.
1: Because, gents, <laughs> I know before we, people don't get like a, a behind the scenes look at how we make the podcast. But I know I'm giving you guys a motivational speech every time before we record. And I'm like, look, Bo, <laughs> Pat. Dennis, when he shows up in 23 minutes. A-B-P. Always be podcasting. Always <laughs> be podcasting. And the other one is A-M-S-B-O-T-P. Always make several backups of the podcast. Mm. Always make several yes. backups of the podcast. Yes. An A. <sighs> Oh, whatever. I don't always edit at the last minute. I don't know what the letters are for that.
0: (laughs) Well, and and I think uh, I don't want to bog us down too much, John, because uh, you know, I know that this is just the, the five major things, but in the interest of always be podcasting, what it does. And I, I I always find this with plays that become boobies and that are well done. There's not going to be a ton of action. There's not going to be a ton of special effects. So what do they rely on? Obviously good writing and I was gonna say dialogue, but that's good writing, the incredible acting performances, and then all those little things, like you mentioned the gum or that, that they have in there, or the various things that the actors will do, which goes into excellent acting, Yeah. but all these little pieces that they put in to really help draw you in. And I think that idea of using acronyms, okay, I've never necessarily been in like a sales office, But whenever you're in and there's a presentation and it's like a slick presentation, whether it's positive and motivational or whether it's like this, very aggressive and and the opposite, like that really set the tone for me. Like, okay, this guy's like hardcore, high power, you know, he's got his acronyms that he uses and he's kind of got this slick message that he's ready to deliver. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of like, and i i don't want to paint myself into the corner that says okay everyone every time someone's using some acronym you know it's 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 always going to be a very direct message but no i think that's something different i'm sorry let me go back focus whenever they have those acronyms, you can tell like this guy is high power. He knows his thing. He knows his presentation and he's really putting it on his on display. Right now, the tone of voice and the way he delivered it told you, okay, there's not going to be any discussion. Right. But he was definitely there. He was in a power position. He was giving these guys an education. Do you get what I'm saying? And it was just, they really didn't need to do much development. They didn't need to show it. You know, through some kind of action, it was just the dialogue and, and the way that, the words that they give him to say really sets him in that in that yeah. in that mode in that role. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's the it's the dialogue and it's the little visual cues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the other the other great line is that for that one is the is when uh, Shelley is trying to get some coffee. Mm-hmm. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closes only. Yeah, yeah, and he's kind of like Shelley's kind of chuckling. He's like, "What? <laughs> what? Are you yeah. serious?
0: <laughs> yeah."
1: So it's a pretty tense scene. Like this first opening moment is pretty tense because you've got, and like we said, Alec Baldwin, he's in this movie for for what, like three minutes, maybe four minutes, if mm-hmm. can. And you know, he's kind of walking in as like the expert, and he's telling all these guys what to do. And then, of course, Ed Harris, his character, David Moss, like starts to give him a little bit of attitude. And he's like, if you're so awesome, what are you doing, like slumming it down here with us? And he's like, look, I, this is why I'm here. This is why I do this. This is what. And, and I love that scene. You know, he kind of almost gets up in his face a little bit, and he's like, you see this watch? And I, mm-hmm. I, I, loved, what they, I loved what they did with that one. I, I actually pulled this one. So this is directly from a Glenn Livet, Glenn Ross.
2: What's the problem, pal? You, Moss. You're such a hero. You're so rich. How come you're coming down here and wasting time with such a bunch of bums?
1: You see this watch? You see this watch?
2: This watch was on your daddy's wrist when he was shot down on that Hanoi. It was captured put in a Vietnamese prison I saw it cap. coming. There it was. Anytime, a, anytime he starts
0: talking Cuff about cares. watches, He's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way your dad looked at it, this watch was your
2: birthright. Anytime he starts talking
1: that's about like, watches, I, I always thought that was from a different movie, but I was, it was so great to see that show up in this one. Yeah. Exactly. So we do get the scene where they make the decision to, or a couple of them make the decision to steal the leads. They've got these Glen Gary Glenn Ross leads that are supposed to be solid gold. Like that's what's going to get them over the hump. That's when they, that's going to help them win the car. And so they kind of make a kind of make a plan. A couple of them make a plan that they're going to steal these leads. Like they'll make it look like a break-in. You know, they'll steal the phones, do all this other stuff. And they're going to take the leads, and that's how they're going to get a hold of those, because John Williamson, Kevin Spacey's character, is keeping them in his office and not sharing them with everybody else. Did you guys ever think any of that was going to work out for them?
2: No. No. Yeah. Not the way they were. Are Like, we have seen that this stuff only works when you have a plan like they had in, say – one of the oceans movies. Right. They did not have a plan here.
1: <laughs> no. These, these they guys made might... an
2: attempt at a plan. Yeah. And the one guy just wanted the other guy to do
1: it, so he had deniability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were not not the stellarist of crooks here. They're uh, they're like yeah. they're like Star Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. They have twelve percent of a plan.
2: Yeah. 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 And I think 12% might be generous. Right. right. Yeah. I, the whole thing, just
0: the whole movie was just desperate. It was just desperate. Desperation it was the only vibe I got from it.
1: Well, that, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. That's, that's the whole, like you said, the whole vibe of the movie. And that's what I felt watching this too. I was like, this is, I I can imagine that you can watch this movie and be, inspired by these guys hustling like trying to like get their get their deals closed so they can have some coffee and maybe a car but just for the game that they all play I'm sure somebody can watch this and go man that is amazing like what these guys can do and and how they can convince people to do this and this and this I'm watching the whole movie going man this is sad
2: Mm -hmm.
1: like it's just it's just it is it's desperation and like almost every moment is desperation, and whenever a deal is going to fall through, they all get desperate. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they all turn on each other. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like rats, you know, like 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 rats over saving over the fighting over the same, right? You know, piece of food or to get out of a uh, get out of a flood. It's just it. Yeah.
1: Well, and we've got the scenes in the movie where Richard Roma, so Al Pacino's character, it doesn't really show up until a little bit later in the movie. And we kind of get the idea that he's the top seller. And he, we have this whole kind of segment where he is, he's working what I'm going to call the missing link. So Mr. Link is, he's trying to get him to go through this deal. He does, he's, he's got a check from him. And there's a whole thing later on in the movie where they talk about, he comes back and he's like, well, you didn't, you didn't cash the check. Did you? Because my wife doesn't really want to do this and I, I can't do this and I'm sorry I'm letting you down. And he's got every yeah, single three person, days Yeah. Every single person in this is desperate. Like not only are the salesmen desperate, but even the guy that invested in some of the real estate comes back and he's desperate. He's like, I got to You, you got to I got to have the check back. Like, I can't do this. I can't. You almost get the sense that Jonathan Price's character, Link, if he doesn't get this check back, he's going to jump out the window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I absolutely got that vibe from his character. Like he's in tears. He's just, whatever it is that he's paid for this, whatever it is that he's done, it is not going to go well for him. If he's like, he's, he's at the end of his rope. And if he doesn't get this check back, who knows what's going to happen to him. hmm. Towards yeah. the, towards the end, we get uh, Shelly Levine comes in and believes he's got his big break that he made a big sale and he is excited because he has not closed anything in quite a while, which is funny because then we find out later on from Roma that Shelley Levine was known as uh, Levine the Machine. Yeah, back in the day, so he was a he was a big seller back in the day.
2: You sort of get that impression when he's yelling at uh, at Kevin Spacey about who was the top, who was the top for eight months, blah blah blah. You know, yeah. uh, but you never, but the way these guys bluster all the time, you never know if it's true. Yeah, because. It's probably not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you you, you kind of don't trust what any of these guys say is true. Because that's kind of what their whole job is. You know what I'm saying? Like right. that's
1: Bo, I also appreciate the one of the other quotes that you pulled for us here was the line that I think if I could go back as either a teacher or a parent and I get really frustrated, I think I might start using this one more often. You get out of here? Will you get out of here? Will you? I'm trying to run an office here. Now, will you go to lunch? Go to lunch.
2: Will you go to lunch?
1: Frankly, nobody's got to tell me twice. You say go to lunch, I'm gone. I'm lunch, that's it. You're not going to have to say it three times. I'll go to lunch and- Nah. Yeah. I am a fan of lunch. I mean, I- Never met a meal I I didn't like.
2: Yeah, lunch, lunch's good. Yeah. Skipping lunch bad, oh, like very, bad. very much bad. You know um, why? Why would you do
1: that? I, I don't know. That's it's madness. It's a a funny line from the movie. Just you, you can tell like he is also desperate. He's just desperate for these guys to just shut up and do their work. And and if they can't, just get out of the office for a little bit get out of my face and so then the kind of the final in the midst of all this we have the police have come to kind of investigate this robbery we have we have an argument between shelley and between john williamson kevin spacey's character and it is revealed what ended up happening to these leads that Shelley stole them and then sold them to a competitor and he was splitting the money with one of the other guys and so it's it's kind of this whole breakdown of he was desperate he's got the sick daughter which he's constantly on the phone like checking in on her as well throughout this movie and so that's kind of revealed here at the end and then you get this kind of bittersweet little moment at the end it's it's one of the only times where you see these guys actually working with each other and kind of complimenting each other as Al Pacino's character, Richard Roma, he, he kind of sits Shelley down from it. He sits Levine down and he's like, you, you are awesome. Like back in the day, Levine, the machine, like you were amazing and starts to compliment him a little bit and compliment him on this big sale that Shelly was able to close and then kind of makes this whole plan for, Hey, we should, we should kind of team up. We should, uh, we should work together and we should do this and kind of getting a little plan going that that whole thing that you did when when Mr. Link was in here that was just that was perfect that was amazing you know somebody with your skills if you and I work together we'll be able to do great things and then you as the viewer know that as soon as Shelly goes into that room with the detectives it's pretty much over at that point for him
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: mhm yeah. yeah there's
0: it's- no, no escape
2: it's sad because you're seeing it's he's finally getting the respect he's been craving Mm -hmm. and now he's done.
1: Yeah. And that's where we kind of close out the movie. So are there any other major moments that I missed before we go into our deeper thoughts? I don't think so. All right. In that case, uh, E-H-D, always be having deeper thoughts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And now, deep thoughts.
1: Is this the first time you had seen this movie? Yes. Okay. Same here. Uh, It was for me as well, so we get the trifecta. There it is. All right. What did you think? Did you like the movie?
2: Oh, it's fantastic. I... Like everybody, I knew the main quotes, I knew always be closing, I knew I knew all of that stuff. What I didn't like I hadn't done any research on it except when I started to do it for the show. I didn't know it was Mammoth, I didn't know any of that. And it's just so good. Just so good. The writing, the the whole thing.
0: Yeah, I agree, Bo. You said it all like my feelings as well. And and you know, echoing what you said, for me it's when you when it's like a play on screen, you gotta rely on the dialogue, the writing, the visual cues to keep you in and the acting and to keep you on the edge of your seat and it it really delivers.
1: So what are some of the things in this movie that work for you now that it's the first time you've seen this what was it in particular was it a particular actor was it uh, certain lines of dialogue a particular scene what what do you feel like now that you've seen this if you were to then share something about this movie with somebody else what would be one of the most memorable things you'd probably share with someone else if they said hey i uh, you know i i have a chance to go watch this movie glenn Livett glenn ross you know what's uh, tell me one thing about it that you really like
0: for me the desperation. I mean that like you just watch this and it's just you're kinda of riding a sinking ship and you just know that. And I mean I can't necessarily say it, it is an enjoyable experience. That being said, I mean you you do get that feel when you're when you're watching it and they deliver it pretty darn strongly. So Yeah.
2: I mean it's the strength of the interaction of these amazing actors. I mean, you've got so much star power here and so much experience that they're able to play off each other and even the even the actors that will go on to be amazing that are young in this movie are leveled up by the other people around them and the script and the fact that it's so precise like there's not a lot of ad-libbing every action is scripted in a mammoth in a mammoth movie and it's just so well put together that the whole thing is amazing and the, the rapid fire dialogue always keeps you interested. And, you know, you don't have that second to look away and do something else because it's all there in your face all the time. Yeah. And so good.
1: Is there anything about this movie that does not work for you?
0: Way I can't think of anything. I mean, I I really, to say, well, I don't feel good at the end of it, that doesn't mean that the movie didn't do its job. I think the movie did its job, so I wouldn't say that. I I can't say that I'm going to be watching this one like every year just because it's it's a bit of a downer, but uh, it's... It's an amazing, it's an amazing show. I mean, just, and I say I wouldn't watch it, but man, I might still pull it up on YouTube every once in a while and watch Pacino's part in, watch, why can't I think of his name? Grumpy Old Men. Jack Lemon. Jack Lemmon. I mean, obviously the Alec Baldwin monologue, like all that stuff. Yeah, because it's just fun watching those guys bust a move like that. It's, it's, it's incredible. So yeah, in answer to your question, I guess... I didn't answer the question. I answered another question because I don't have an answer to your question. I I don't, I didn't find anything that didn't work.
1: Sorry.
2: Yeah. I mean, if anything didn't work, it would be the, there's so much, so much talking about the leads, the leads, the leads. I feel like maybe they hit that too much Mm -hmm. and we could have gotten a little more character, a little more about everybody. But I don't think that's the point of the movie. But if you're talking about just things that I might have been looking for, yeah, that might be it. Here, I'll,
0: I'll, 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 I'll throw this, I'll throw this out there. You know, it's funny to for me to. I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. The language, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it'd be, it'd be nice. I mean, the story in and of itself, like. Well, I don't know. I'd say if you could show it to a younger audience, but then would a younger audience be fascinated by this?
2: That's a fair point.
0: So I don't know. I go, I go back and forth on that. Like, I mean, I could see people that were going to do the school musical or a play or like, guys, you got to study this. These guys are at the top of their craft. Check this out. Here's how you talk down to someone. Here's how you play, you know, but then that being said, like, would 14 year old me be enthralled by this movie, you know? I'd be like, okay, that, you know, so I don't know. I say that, but I don't know. You start armchair for me, something this awesome. I start armchair quarterbacking it. All you're going to do is mess it up. So yeah, I'll, I'll retract, I'll retract my statement.
1: I feel like if you were going to watch a movie that was about <clears throat> sales or about kind of having some kind of a hustle that you got going, you know, uh, this is not one I probably would share as a motivational movie for something like that. Uh, but uh-huh. I mean, it's got some great scenes and it's got some of the great lines, but I'm thinking of other stuff. Like, would you, uh, would you show this one or would you show Wolf of wall street? Would you show, would you show wall street? Would you show the found? I'm just trying to think of some other movies that are kind of related to the idea of, of sales and of trying to, you know, you know, Broker deals and and things like that and and I think this one I don't think you show this one as a as a motivational one I think you show this as the kind of like the broken side of things. It it does it goes back to that idea of desperation and that's really what this movie is all about is the desperation of it. It's not it doesn't glorify any of this at all. Like this does not watching this movie does not make me want to go be a salesperson.
2: Yeah no no Definitely. it shows you the dark side of it the cutthroat side of it the uh, yeah the desperation.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, it, it seems borderline a con job, right? Like they're not. Oh yeah. They're full of it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing is it's so, not okay, like, okay.
2: That's a, not to interrupt, but is it a con job or are they selling real property? That's just crap. I mean, I guess that's a con job in itself, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I
0: if, I'll be the blunt instrument. Like, uh, to, that's just splitting hairs. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, it's and it's almost like, right? So, how can I say this? If you look at our our one of one of our favorite shows that we follow, the Shirley podcast, they did Goodfellas and Godfather, right? If the Godfather movie follows like the higher ups in the in the mafia, right? Like the the top guys, the the heads of the family, and all that. Goodfellas seems to focus a little bit more on the, Goodfellas seems to focus a little bit more on like the semi made guys, the guys out on the street, all that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. If you take this and compare it to John's example, like Wolf of Wall Street, Wolf of Wall Street seems to focus on the guys that are at like the absolute top of the whole thing. Now I know it's completely different. I, I, I don't even know if this reference would make sense. This seems to focus a little bit more on the guys that aren't, like, at the very top cruising around in yachts, you know, and crashing their helicopters and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. This focuses maybe on the guys that are more having to grind it out for them. Maybe. I don't know. Because, again, I don't know how much of this world is accurate and how much of this world is fictional. Well, right? these, guys, right. these guys
1: are fighting over a car and some steak knives.
0: Yeah. So, I I, and I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know what my point was when I brought all that up, but I think the movies, they show different aspects, whether it's fictional or real or what. which I know Wolf of Wall Street was based on a real story, but these guys are just kind of lower in the, on the totem pole. They're just trying to grind it out. Right. Right. But that's the thing I ask is, is I don't want to sound like Marsh, Martin Sheen in wall street, but it's just kind of like, get out and build something with your hands. You know, like I, 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 don't know what, how does this help society and not to say that every job is going to do it but i mean if they're trying to get people and and just pursuing that check so bad like with such fervor with such frenzy to the point that they're well really that's kind of what happened he was doing some quick double talk um mm-hmm. to try and convince that guy to no don't talk to you you know it's just kind of like man, there, there, there'd be red flags all over that. So
1: it's, either, I, I mean, yeah, I, even if you're, even if you're Shelly Levine from back in the day, or you're Richard Roma yeah. Now you're the top, yeah. you're the top dog at this office. You're still a con man. Yeah. Right. Like regardless of how good you are at it. And, and that's, they're all kind of like jockeying with each other and, and trying to one up each other and like, well, this is how good I am. Like, look at me. Like I'm when he, when Roma lays into Williamson, after he kind of does that whole thing of, oh, don't worry, Mr. Link, we cashed your check. You know, we already, and he messes up his whole deal. And then all of a sudden Al Pacino, I can't even play the clip because it would just be beep, 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 one beep after another. We, we would lose our family friendly status here, but that whole scene where Al Pacino just starts laying into him. I'm like Oh yeah. And the look, the yeah. look,
0: his first, his look on his face is just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Is amazing. And 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 not to just down count count out Kevin Spacey, yeah. the way Kevin Spacey responds, the way that scene is structured is just amazing.
1: Well, and then when you find out later that Kevin Spacey was lying. Yeah, like, right. Like he did it on purpose, like he torpedoed the deal on purpose. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's cold. Because <laughs> then Shelly, yeah. Shelly reveals that later on. He's like, I know you didn't cash that check. I saw it on your desk when I went to go steal all the deals. Mm -hmm. Like, man, this is, like, really cutthroat.
2: There's nasty (laughs) stuff, man. This
1: this guy's just nasty. No, The one thing it does make me want to do, it makes me want to go back and watch uh, Mad Men again. Uh, Oh, sure. Yeah. So let me ask you guys this. There are moments, and I think Mamet does a really good job of this in his his writing, you know, and and obviously the, the way that the director got the performances out of everybody, too, but... Even if these guys are pretty terrible people, I think, to, to a single person, you know, what they're doing, they're not great people. They are pretty morally bankrupt people. Mm-hmm. There are still times where we do sympathize with them. Mm-hmm. So can you, can you think of, can you pick out any times in particular where you really kind of started to, and, and I think it, I think we do for each of these characters in different ways and at different times. Can you think of times where they're one of the characters you were like, dude, that guy's a terrible person. But then you had a moment of, yeah, but I also feel sorry for him. Like I really, I sympathize for this guy, even though he's morally bankrupt.
0: Well, I think here in the, the Jack Lemmon character had the sick child. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think you f- do start to feel a little bit for Al Pacino when he loses that deal at the end there. Mm. But only a little, because as you point out, they are as morally bankrupt as they come.
1: Well, and even to a certain degree, like Ed Harris's character, even though he's the one that comes up with the idea for stealing the leads... Right. There's a little bit of, in some of his reasoning for stealing those leads, there's a little, as I'm watching that, I'm sitting there going, all right, so there are times and moments in jobs I've had before where I felt like I was stuck with no opportunity to advance and no, like, somebody is holding me back from being able to reach my potential in what it is that I'm doing here, and, mm-hmm. and I, I got to do something or I got to get out. And so, even though the stealing the leads, I'm like, all right, well, that's not the right way to do that. But as he's kind of talking about what frustrates him about being in that office, I'm listening to that. And I'm going, all right, I get that, I get, I understand that. That's not the way I would go about fixing it. But I get, it. Mm-hmm. right, I get what you're feeling. <laughs> I smell what the rock is cooking. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I think the, the
0: the Jack Lemmon character is sympathetic too because he's kind of past his prime. Right. I mean, he's, yeah, gotta, he's past a, a his prime. Who, and, a guy
1: who held on a little too long, maybe.
0: Right. And, and at it, it a place, not that you want to walk into your place of employment and expect the warm and fuzzies and the family and the whole thing. You, you wish that there would be some respect where, Hey, let's good places to work, treat folks like that with respect, either helping them to helping them through giving them a a bridge, give them, which maybe that was what Al Pacino was trying, right? I mean, you know, so maybe there was a little bit of that there, but that kind of stuff has to come from leadership as well. Like, hey, let's take care of these people and, you know.
1: In the education world, we tend to have, we have our retirement parties at the end of every school year for the people that are retiring. And it's a, we'll miss them, but it's a celebration. It's all that. There is no way to gracefully retire in an office like this no no you just at some point you're either old enough or not as skilled as the two or three people ahead of you that you're going to be you're going to be you're not going to be first or second place you're going to be third place or lower and that's how you leave
2: yeah it's kind of crazy when you think about it
1: yeah yep i mean it's vicious it's just as you guys said before it's very cutthroat it's Right. To what benefit? Right, right. Like, the, like, right. it's, and it's like not benefiting anybody other than the company making money off of this. And it's right. It's really Alec Baldwin's character that's making the money. It's not right. really exactly. any of these guys. They're fighting over a Cadillac, exactly.
0: And steak knives. So, and that's where it comes back to. Like I said, the Martin Sheen quote from Wall Street. Thank yeah. you. You know, get out there and build something. Yeah. Let's see them build a company. Let's see them build this company up now. Well, we don't want to see it because they're scamming people and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But like I said, yeah, like the whole thing, I, I don't know. And, and, and I don't know how much we're supposed to get into a deep discussion of everything that's wrong because there really doesn't seem to be any rebuttal to it all. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? There doesn't seem to, yeah, but you know, if you, if you look at it like this, this is where the, there really isn't any of that. So I think, I think the thing that drives it is just the dialogue and the acting and the, you know, that's what makes this enthralling. I I don't personally feel caught up in any, you know, conundrum where I've got to like, oh, well, which one is, right? you know, the lesser of two evils? Like, I don't, I just don't see it like that, you know?
1: Right. So one of the questions we we typically tend to kind of wrap up with before we get into our three questions is if this movie talking about does the movie hold up thirty years later, mm-hmm. if this movie was released in theaters today, what would be the reason you would go see it? Hmm. Honestly, for me, I think it's the ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, If
2: between I, the saw, cast if I and... saw a movie
1: that had even with even with his controversies, Kevin Spacey, Al Pacino, Jack Lemmon, Ed Harris, Jonathan Pro- like this whole cast. If I saw those guys were going to be together in a movie, that probably would be what would draw me in.
2: Yeah, yeah. that on top of Mamet's writing. Yeah. I mean Yeah. Yes. It's pretty good.
1: And I think it's an easy question to say, does it hold up thirty years later? because other than and 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 not even necessarily that, other than like the phone technology, you could really place this in any time. and I think it would still be applicable.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you'd have to update it to the current technology and whatever people are selling right. in that day
1: right
0: well, if but, it if it came yeah. out, if it came out, what would it have been when was the subprime mortgage meltdown? I mean, I I mean, I gotta, I gotta be honest. Like, I think there, I think that might hit pretty strong, you know? Yeah.
1: I would agree. Like 2009,
0: nine. Yeah. Somewhere around there. But I I don't, I'll tell you there's, there's been some times right around that time when, when Tammy and I were renting, buying a house, getting started, like there were some conversations that I walked out of and it was like, you kind of learn that, and and I mean, everybody listening out there, I'm so terribly sorry, but you know, like you kind of learn that folks that are like selling in that aren't necessarily your friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting because I think a lot of that, I don't want to necessarily say it's the old, old world, but that's kind of a generational thing. Like there's some folk, there's some, my parents' generation and all that, and I know that my my brother has sometimes butted heads in conversations when he would converse with my parents and, and all that kind of thing. When it was it was an interesting mindset where they try to be friends with the salesman or try to get to know him and oh I think he's a good guy. There was that kind of thing, and it mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff. It was the horse trading thing, and you know, and that sometimes that can be a hard lesson. When you walk in and you realize wow whatever whether they're trying to yeah what do you call it? broker a mortgage loan or sell a car or you know getting into investing all those types of things it's just like yeah those folks aren't necessarily they're they're not your friends right you know mm-hmm. right well, and, that- and I,
1: and I want to make sure like from from some stuff I said earlier too, I want to make sure that like nobody listening to our show <laughs> thinks that we are like down on salespeople because I, there's several jobs that I've worked where I, and that's actually going to be one of our, I think that's one of our three questions. There are several jobs that I worked where I was working kind of a sales position and you, you can absolutely totally have people that are in, I think sometimes salespeople will get a bad rap and I'm not saying that. That that's what you're saying, Pat. But I think sometimes salespeople get a bad rap because it might seem like they're just in it for themselves. But I think you can totally have, and I think this is kind of what you were kind of getting towards is you can have people that are in sales positions for good reasons. Like I, I know mm-hmm. some of the, I know some of the jobs that I worked, I felt better about those places that I was working because while I was selling something and it was, my job and ultimately a benefit to me, the more I sold, I was also selling things that I knew would benefit people's lives or Mm -hmm. something, something good would come of it for them as well. And it happened to be the job I was working. So of course I'm also going to get paid too. So I don't want to, I know I I said some stuff earlier. I didn't want to make that come across as like all salespeople are crooked and all salespeople are morally bankrupt. I think we see in this movie An example of people who, yes, pretty much everyone in this is fairly morally bankrupt, you know, even Shelly, even Shelly with the sick daughter, you know, he's still going to, he's still going to put him and his first. He Mm -hmm. will, he will, he'll cut some kind of a deal that screws someone else over as long as he can get the money, which then will help benefit him and his sick daughter and his family and and all that. But I think this movie shows us the dark side of all of that, Yes, but there's absolutely places and and times where people are going to be in this job for the right reasons.
0: Sure. And, and I mean, like, that's uh, yes, exactly, and I I, I just I, I, I made some I, comments
1: earlier, and I was like I don't right, want, I don't want anybody to right.
0: think that I'm hating on salespeople. Right, right. It's it's easy to like, and again, I don't I don't like feel like like I'm Robin Williams
1: is like Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't pick on the salespeople because it used to be one.
0: Right, <laughs> and I I don't want to be like like I said I don't want to be like backpedaling and all yeah, that kind of yeah, thing yeah, because yeah. it's but exactly within the construct of what we've seen in this movie, right? You know that's kind of what we're commenting on. But you're exactly right is, and it's it, like anything, There, there's good teachers, there's bad teachers, right. there's good, you know, I mean, like, and a witch uh, or have bad, witch. exactly. And I, I want I a think, sandwich. <laughs> Sorry. And, and yeah, so I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly what you said. And it's just, you kind of have to. Yeah, exactly what you said. I'm not going to add any words into it that are going to be more eloquent than yours. Oh, but uh, but yes, exactly. I do not mean to make a by any stretch of the imagination. I don't mean to make a, a blanket statement.
1: On the other hand, though, Bo hates all salesmen. So Pat sure, and I no, have, why not? <laughs> Pat and I have made our statements. Uh, Bo hates everyone. On that, no, you don't. Bo loves everybody. Love fest, man. It, it, that's right. That's your nickname, Love Fest. All right. Do we got anything else before we jump into our three questions?
2: Fantastic movie, better than I could have expected seeing it for the first time.
1: Yeah, yes, big, big fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you like Mammoth's style of writing, and I mean just the, the ensemble cast alone, you, you got to give this one at least one viewing. All right, it is time for the always be asking A B A three question mark. Always, be, I don't know. It's three Ooh, that's that's deep it's i added punctuation so now i feel like we've taken it to a new level there were numbers and there was punctuation and it, i don't even know i was told there would be no math thank you sir he asks each traveler five questions three questions three questions it's impossible to answer it's impossible because you don't know the answer nobody could answer that question i want to ask you a bunch of questions My cousin Vinny, that's in there. We had kind of a funny text exchange between my wife and I this morning because she had to go in for mm-hmm. jury jury duty. Oh, okay. So she got there. She got there safely, and and she texting us to let us know that she was like in the waiting room and waiting to see if she was going to get called for some of those. And so I texted her this morning and I said, "Hey, just remember, Chevy didn't make a three twenty seven in fifty five. The three twenty seven yeah. didn't come out till sixty two. So."
2: As it's Long as awesome. you remember
1: that, you got you're Just covered. Remember that, because otherwise, it's a trick question. And you don't want to get caught with those trick questions. All right, question number one. Again, thank you to Mr. Bo Warmbold for providing our three questions this time. Yeah, right. uh, no spon- pressure or anything. Sponsor Jeez. sponsorship for the three questions is brought to you by Bo Warmbold. Love Fest. Thank you. All right,
2: you are welcome, gentlemen. Anytime.
1: Question number one: Have you ever sold anything? Cutco, newspapers, anything like that. Have you ever had a job where you were selling something?
0: I only work, the closest I could say is like working retail, which I think is a slightly different thing than what we're talking here. So,
2: But not, yeah. it's not not selling though. Yeah. yeah. Did no, did, no, did it, you, no. I my double negatives there, but I think yeah. I'm
1: right. That's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. two, two wrongs make a right, I think. Somewhere. Um, or two lefts or something like that. I was going to
2: say, the question really isn't the right, it's the left, yeah. isn't it?
1: Well, it kind of depends on the retail. I mean, were you working like a cash register? Or were you actively selling things? No, I was, I, well, <sighs> <laughs>
0: actually, so I worked on a farm. My first job, I worked on a farm, started in seventh grade and worked all the way up through high school on a farm. And actually the first, okay, so most of it was like working on a farm stand in the farm stand and, and cash register, but then you'd get to go out and like sweep barns and all that kind of fun, exciting things. But like, I also worked in the winters. I worked, they sold Christmas trees. So oh I God. never really, I never really got to like cut a deal. Like, I don't think they, I don't think they gave the 12 year old kid the ability to, I'll knock that price down. All that. Like I, we never got that. We did get to use the chainsaw if they wanted a fresh cut on the bottom. And we did get to tie it. I got some stories about tying Christmas trees to roofs and various other. Oh, others. I'm sure. Yeah, I did. We, we we did tie a guy's door shut one time. We had to fix that one. But everybody's done uh,
2: it. I've done it on my own.
0: Oh, car I yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, like, man. What? What? What?
0: I always love the favorite customer was the one that had the pickup truck and asked for the fresh cut on the bottom because then ain't nothing going to get tied down. (laughs) And I got to use the chainsaw anyways, but uh, no, but that one was a little bit like, so what do you recommend? Well, sir, I can tell you, we got Fraser first. We got balsam first. We got Douglas first. Here's the cop. You kind of had to like talk to them a little bit about like that whole thing. And I mean,
1: you got to watch out for those balsams. Those are the trees where all the needles fall off.
0: No, no, no. yeah,
1: Yeah. No, no. That's in, that's in
0: has some balsams no and it really was kind of like and i just said look here's what i know you know douglas firs, and well anyways i won't go into the whole spiel because we also had pines and that was a whole we had a couple of different pines it all depends on the experience you want but again like (laughs) no i would have that and i so i guess you had to do a little bit Uh you had to do there was one funny story when i was working in the farm stand the line was like out the door and it was like the Oktoberfest thing. So everyone was, and they came up, they sold birdhouse gourds and they came up and they were just like, this lady's like, excuse me, I was wondering if you could tell me what's the best way to prepare the birdhouse gourd. And the way they said prepare, like I'm triggered into like cooking and I'm, <laughs> I think I was in high school, man. I was like 15 or 16 and they're like the birdhouse gourds and I'm not even, like the thing. my mom was working next to me. My guy, I can't even say this without laughing. Um, the, the the owners of the farm still bust me up about this one and I deserved I I'm just like I I don't know and this there was like a line going out the door. Excuse me, can you tell me the best way to prepare the birdhouse gourds? And I'm like, I, I don't know have you tried stir-frying <laughs> And she goes she goes, uh no, I think I'm gonna make a birdhouse out of it, but thanks anyway. i was just like all, all right, I'll die. And I didn't even process it. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. my good friend, she's in high school too, is working next to me. She has disappeared because she's like and she's over to my mom. She goes,
2: Miss Candigal, you never move like that. <laughs> he told and some she lady, looked at her and oh, said, I it. <laughs> Oh, I believe.
0: Oh my it. God. And then it went like on the radio, like everybody around, like the entire farm knew. And uh, and and they such good family, friends, and they showed up at uh, my mom's funeral and wake and all that kind of stuff. And the one lady, the one owner came up, she goes, I still tell the story. You've become part of the training video for the new, <laughs> she said, now, if you ever get a question that you don't know the answer to, <laughs> I'm just like, I know I'm so, oh my gosh. So we, we're going to call this the Pat rule. <laughs> if you ever get a question, you don't know the answer to just ask. That's <laughs> because I joke. so anyways I'm sorry I'm laughing at my own jokes but my god that just busts me
2: up inside when the lady's like that how do you prepare this absolutely <laughs> outstanding i, I think I, I i don't know i would try stir frying the gourd today
1: on pat's cooking uh, show <laughs> we're going <laughs> to stir fry some gourds today's today's segment is called oh my gourd and we're going to show it, you how to make how to prepare treehouse gourds or birdhouse gourds well treehouse that'd be huge yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, man. That's, a that's, be- that's some gourd you've got. <laughs> you see that one, you're gonna be saying, Oh my gourd.
0: I'm just saying, it would have been if they would have been asking about okra, if they would have been well, not stir frying, but frying, oh, okay. if they would have been asking about the pat-a-pants, if they would have been asking yeah. about the squash, mm-hmm. I would have okay. I thought they said squash, all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'm I mean, that's that's a different thing, but I guess the Christmas trees, I got a little taste of it, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I I wouldn't. Yeah. 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 That's my experience.
1: Yeah. I, had, That's I outstanding. had, I had some salesy jobs. I worked, Oh yeah. I worked a couple of different retail jobs, which not really very much salesy stuff. You know, a lot of times it's just, you're at the register and you're kind of dealing with everything there. Mm-hmm. But I did have a couple here and there that were, I tried to, one of my first jobs was working at the stock room in the back of a Sears. And You're okay, I, I was getting kind of bored back there and I didn't particularly care for the manager of the stockroom. But what I really did kind of get interested in was I had kind of become friends with a couple of the guys that were working in the electronics and the TV section and they worked on commission and I was like, huh, that could be kind of fun. And so I remember applying mm-hmm. to get one of those jobs. But at that point I was, I was too young. Like I was like, what was that, like mm-hmm. 17 at the time. Um, mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, no, we're not going to hire a 17 year old to, to do this. I'm like, well, all right, <laughs> okay. Thanks, <guys>. fine, <laughs> fine then I'm going to take my ball and go home. <laughs> so no, I, the one, probably my favorite one, one of the only retail jobs that I, I actually enjoyed. Well, a couple of them really, I did work at a bookstore and that one was kind of fun. Like it wasn't, there's no like pressure to like make sales you're not working on commission or anything like that in fact i don't think any of the jobs i ever had i never worked on any kind of commission but you know the bookstore was kind of fun because you know people would come in and they'd ask you for recommendations and you can talk to them about this and that and i'll oh, help them find something they're looking for and then working at the apple store like that was a lot of fun there was being able to because they kind of teach you when you go in there they're like look we're not are we selling things to people? Yes, we're selling things to people, but frankly, we're Apple. If somebody walks into our store, they already want to buy something we've got. So right. it's not it's not like a hard sell. You just when people come in, find out what it is that they want. Like find out what it is they're trying to do, what's gonna benefit them, and then show them some options. Like show them, hey, this is what you want to do, something with photography. Here are the things that we have that can help you do whatever it is you want to do with photography. You want to start producing your own music. Here are the things that we've got that can help you. This would be the best computer for producing your own music and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like that was one of those jobs where like I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I needed to take a shower at the end of each day because I had conned somebody into buying something they didn't really need. It was one of right. those It was one of those deals of you know th- this is my job, and I will. I will show you here what it is that will help get you to wherever it is that you want to be. And it's up to you if you want to buy it or not. And so it was very much, very much kind of a, a no pressure kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much it for me. Just a couple of different, a couple of different times where I was in kind of a salesy type job. What about you, Bo?
2: Never as a, as a job so much, oddly enough, but I did volunteer for a local church. They did a, a big summer festival every year back in the day. And they sold those old ad books you used to get at those things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was selling ad space in that ad book and getting the copy from people and then putting it all together. And then we would, well, they actually self published there, which was kind of cool. They had the whole printing press downstairs and everything. So yeah, I sold ad space for a little while, sort of.
1: I remember doing that a little bit with, like, the high school newspaper. We, would like, had to sure, go, yeah. go, go get some advertising from some of the local businesses and things that like makes that. makes sense. John is funny. When he was on the – was it for baseball? Yeah, it was for baseball. They had to sell one of those, like, coupon books. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so he there were some times – and he actually – I think he really enjoyed doing it. And So there were some times where I, like, I would drive him to a different neighborhood where some of his buddies wouldn't have necessarily – strayed too far because a lot of them were freshmen or sophomores so i'd drive him out to another neighborhood that somebody probably hadn't hit up yet and he'd take his stuff and he'd go door to door and he'd sell several of them he actually sold them pretty quickly but he was funny because then he would he would he'd kind of joke with me he's like he's like man every time like i think old ladies love me (laughs) because every time i go to a house and it's like an older lady like living there they always buy stuff from me and I, and I said, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're a handsome 14-year-old guy. I mean, maybe the old ladies think you're kind of cute. And I said, do you want me to – I can drive you. There's like a senior living place over here. Do you want me to drive you over there and see if we can knock out the rest of your coupon books in one night? And he's like, I don't know. That's probably not a bad idea. I'm like, no, I'm not driving you over there. Go sell go, go sell whatever you got to sell and let's get home. That's just outstanding. But he's, he's kind of convinced that he's got an age bracket that we'll always buy from him.
0: There it is. Well, got, you may not got, be wrong. I mean, he's, he's you know.
1: got his angle. At, at this got point, his angle. They just wrong. want it, they just want to pinch his cheeks, you know. Right. And I and I told him I said there is a there's a finite amount of time where that's going to work for you.
2: Right, so milk it. Right, I mean, right. <laughs> Lord knows we all wish we had back in the day. Right Cause, now, cause, look at us.
1: <laughs> at, at forty-one, I can't go do that now and have it. Work. No, 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 no. That's that's a little that's a little different. It's just um, weird. Yeah, it's, it's a little. It's kind of creepy at that point. The creep can roll, man. The creep can roll.
2: The creep can roll.
1: What is your fa- no question number two? What's your favorite go-to coffee drink?
2: Hmm.
1: I can answer this one real easily because I don't like coffee. There you go. So mine, mine is a favorite <laughs> go-away coffee drink. In fact, my, my child that I just was speaking of, John, he is now very much the, the only coffee drinker in the family, and he does love a, what did he tell me? Usually when I ask the family the three questions before we record when we're having dinner, normally his response to everything is like, I don't know. But I asked, him, mm-hmm. I asked him this question tonight. I'm like, what's your go-to coffee drink? His head shot up, and he's like, oh, man, I got so many. And he's like, it's the most I've heard the kid talk in a long time. His was iced caramel latte is his favorite. Right
2: mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. So, respectable.
1: respectable. 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 So he even had me try one one time, and I, I, I think the face I made is, yeah, I'm just not a coffee drinker. Let's put it this way. I made more of a malort face when I drank coffee. Ah, than I, did, okay. uh, than I did upon drinking Malort for the first time. Interesting. So mine would mine would be tea or hot chocolate. It would not be coffee. But uh, interesting. You, you, guys, you guys, coffee drinkers. I am. What's your go to? And
2: I go back and forth. This will not surprise. I go back and forth on this one a lot. But I think if I had to lock into one, it would be an iced. Blonde vanilla latte. Okay. Oh. it's very good. It's a little too much sugar than I should. Than I should probably have on a regular basis. So I will admit that my regular is much simpler than that.
1: You're but, I, I, you're such a gentleman. I, I've heard gentlemen prefer blondes. <laughs> <laughs> what what is your uh, what is
0: your your more go to?
2: Oh, my regular is a simple cold brew black. Big as you okay. can sell it to me. All right, <laughs> All right. Uh, considering as, 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 I think we have mentioned as we, some of us near our older ages, we have pills and things we have to take that preclude other things. Black coffee is where I, where I have to draw the line these days. There
1: All you, right. There, there it is. Patrick, are you a coffee drinker?
0: Uh, no, my okay. coffee drink is water, but That's I'll take thing. it cold, warm, neat,
1: rocks. Okay. I, I'm kind of good with it. All. all right, there you go. So, Bo, Bo is A B C. Always bring coffee.
2: Yes, yeah. we we hired a new guy in May, so he's only been with us a couple months, but he's like my coffee buddy. Like oh, okay. he drinks. I think I drink a lot of coffee. I ain't got nothing on this guy. <laughs> he's easy. Too large from Dunkin' Donuts a day. Oh, really? One on his way in, and then. I'm not sure he does it every day, but it sure seems like he goes out to lunch. Yeah. Every, even when he does not even when he brings lunch, he'll run out and get coffee. Oh, like okay. all so the outstanding.
1: time. Yeah. So I'm, outstanding. In, I'm
2: impressed and frightened for him all at the same time. Yeah. Because that is a lot of caffeine. <laughs> yeah. Like at some point, like, wow. I mean, I'm impressed in,
1: in, his, in my own way, but. Well, yeah. you know when he starts talking like the micro machines guy.
2: Well, that's when you run.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just run. Yeah. All right. And question number three, what is your favorite mammoth movie? Mm. This is a this is an easy one for me. Well then please. I the Untouchables. Yeah, I figured. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like a lot of his other movies, but that one, hands down, I gotta go Untouchables.
0: Yeah, I mean, I at the risk of making it the daily double and the or the daily triple even, I would say the Untouchables yeah. at the interest of trying to get another film out there. I really like Ronan.
1: Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So
2: I like a lot of his work. I do have to think the Untouchables is is definitely top. But I'll tell you, after seeing this for the first time, I like this one. This is good. Yeah. You know, it's solid. It it's very like, this is very mammoth. Like the dialogues mm-hmm. jumping on top of each other. Like this is good stuff. Yeah. There's a little known one that he did in 2000 called state and Maine. It is a very strange movie.
1: Okay. I've heard But it, it is I
2: very fun. I
1: haven't seen it though.
2: And again, kind of like this cast, it's a little crazy. Like Alec Baldwin's in it. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman, William H. Macy, uh, maybe Alec Baldwin's not in that one. But Clark Gregg, Julia Stiles, like, it's another one where you're like, wow, all these people got together to make this movie. And it's, I would swear Alec Baldwin's in it, but maybe I'm crazy. And it's probably because David Mamet picked up the phone and said, hey, guys, yeah. I want to do this movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he is in it. That's so weird. I'm not wrong. But I am swear, I'm looking at the cast list on IMDb.
1: I'm not seeing him in there.
2: No, but if you look at the picture, look at that second picture. Yeah. I'm not crazy. He's in that scene. That's Alec Baldwin and David Mamet as he's directing the movie.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) IMDB, go home. You're drunk.
1: Yeah.
2: I knew he was in that movie. I love that movie. I I wouldn't. I don't know. I I can't rank it above the untouchables, but I got to put it up there as an honorable mention. It is a solid, solid Mamet. It's twisted. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But but it's good, like every once in a while I like a good twisted tale.
1: Well, and and my lovely wife was always uh, she was always a political science major uh, ah. in college and everything, so we did enjoy uh, Wag the Dog when that one came out.
2: Yes. Oh yeah. It took me years to get around to showing that to my wife, and she loved it too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's just and it was so funny. Like she's watching it for the first time. She's like, "Oh my god." Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Kind of spooky when you think about mm-hmm. it like that, ain't it? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Good
0: old good old shoe. Yeah.
1: Ah, that was a fun one. i got to watch that one again sometime. Yeah. yeah. No. So, so many good movies. Hard to narrow it down, but, yeah, I definitely definitely got to go with Untouchables. hmm all right, gents, that's it. That's it for Glenn Livet, Glenn on the Rocks. We made it through, and I don't think I butchered too many words. No, we're good. No, I think we did fine. We did fine. I can we're all fine with, here. Thanks. I, I was able to close this one out, so I guess I can go have some coffee. But I don't like it, so I'll go get something else. A tall yes. glass of water. Tall glass of ice water. That's what I'll do. This has been. <laughs> You're a tall glass of <laughs> You're ice water. A tall glass of wa- Tall drink of water over there. Only if you're 14 and and the ladies are octogenarians. So we got coming up our next several episodes. Again, there's a finite amount of time that that works. Next several episodes <laughs> for the month of August, our Patreon episodes. I think I can announce one of these here. Jeffrey Mazuka and I had been kind of working together on maybe having him join me for some of the Patreon shorts since his his time has been limited a little bit, and so he wanted to get in on some of these, but didn't necessarily have the time to jump into a full recording with us so i think jeff and i are going to do one of the patreon shorts for this month on the animated movie the secret of nim from 1982 oh, oh very fun. cool! so we're going to see how we can keep that down to about 15 20 minutes might not happen but i was gonna say that's
2: a challenge with that movie it's it's gonna because it is deceptively it, deep
1: yeah so we're gonna have Love to, that movie we're gonna to have to I don't know, either talk fast or something. I don't know. The other Patreon short for that for this month is Creep Show from 1982. Love that one. Mm -hmm. So much fun. And then there's another little Patreon episode that's coming out this month. Pat, would you, would you like to share what that one's about?
0: It's about motorcycles, movies, Mm -hmm. movies with motorcycles, motorcycle movies, motorcycle riders in movies, all that kind of great stuff, man.
1: Motorcycle stunts
0: in movies. Motorcycle stunts in movies. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes. Is there a rubric for those of us that...
1: There is. A, I'll, I'll share out the list with you of kind of our topics that we're looking Sweet. for. There's like
2: That's all I need. Favorite, I just need a little something-something. Favorite
1: two of these, favorite three of these, that kind of Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll send that to you. Pat and I were kind of texting a little bit back and forth to kind of nail that down, and, and I think not only... I was just texting to Pat the other day to get his approval on the topics, and not only did I get approval, I got his responses texted back to me already, so... Yeah, man.
0: Oh, there you go.
1: Pat doesn't mess around with this kind of stuff.
0: And I wasn't, like, I wasn't sure because there were a couple questions. I'm like, how are we interpreting this? Because here are my two answers if it's this question. Here are my two answers if it's this question. And if we're going to end up asking both questions, now you have all four answers. So there you go.
1: Right. So. (laughs) All right. For the rest of August, we've got next week is Captain Ron. The week after Mm -hmm. that is Wayne's (laughs) World. Week after that is White Men Can't, and then moving on into September. I don't think we've announced any of the September ones yet, so this is what we got coming up for next month in September. Our Patreon episodes, Patreon shorts that will come out in September. Q the Winged Serpent. Such a great, ridiculous kind of monster B-movie kind of a thing. Cat People from 1982. And our main Patreon episode is going to be The Dark Crystal from 1982. Nice. That's a lot of 82 stuff we're... Or- we're catching cool. on the Patreon side of things. Our regular episodes for the month of September. This is going to be some fun stuff. Our first episode of September will be Medicine Man. Nice. Our second episode in September will be a because it's hitting its 40th anniversary, and we're going to have one of our Patreon co-executive producers joining us for that one. Fingers crossed. I believe it will be Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Mm, yes. And it. Oh man, I love that movie. Yeah, yes. love yeah. it. But then after that, Lorenzo's Oil. Forever Young, and Death Becomes Her. Outstanding. We have got some good, good stuff coming out here over the next few weeks or so. Gentlemen, Bo, Pat, I always have fun talking movies movies with you guys.
2: Great talking to you too, John.
0: Yeah, John, thank you. Good to see you, Bo, and thank you,
1: listeners. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, listeners. Thank you, Patreon co-executive producers. We We look forward each and every week to just chatting up some movies and Having a good time, so we're glad that you're able to join us here each week and join us for a little bit of extra stuff over there on Patreon if you'd like to. Otherwise, everybody, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. Go watch this one if you haven't seen it. Glenn Livett, Glenn Ross is what it's called.
2: Maybe um, pour yourself some Glenn Livet in the process. While you're you watching know?
1: it. Yeah. Have a little fun with it. Why yes. not? Absolutely. All right. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next time.